Welcome to The Seven Deadly Sins of B2B Marketing, the Alma Bono podcast that preaches the tips and tricks of B2B marketing. In each episode, we sit down with B2B marketers and talk about what makes them proud, envious, and angry in the world of B2B. Their revelations will uncover new insights that'll set you on the path to better ways of working. Hello, and welcome to The Seven Deadly Sins of B2B Marketing with me, Simon McAvoy. Uh, from Omobono, and I am joined today in the studio by Kate Owen, who is the Director of Strategic Client Marketing and Industries at Capita. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Simon. Now, that is a very long job title. It is indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Could you please start by just describing to the listeners who Capita are, first of all, because it's a beast of a business, and then what a director of strategic client marketing and industries does at Capita. Of course. So, so Capita, I've recently joined actually in the last uh, couple of months. Capita is a consulting uh, digital services and software business, uh, deals with clients across public sector and private sector. And it's recently actually just designed um, its new brand, its new corporate logo for the first time in 13 years. The refresh look is designed to uh, work more effectively in digital formats and actually um, aim to better communicate the purpose-led transformation of Capita, which it's on a journey at the moment. So it's 18 months into a three-year transformation um, massive project. And my role there at Capita is essentially looking after industry marketing, so across financial services, telco and media, utilities, um, all of the big private sector uh, customers that we have, so massive big brand names. And I actually am responsible for, I would say, probably a book of business that's about two billion um, against Capita's overall current book of business, which is about four billion. So currently responsible for for about fifty percent of the pie there. No, so no pressure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but really exciting, right? So I mean, I've joined there essentially to set up a new team um, focusing on account-based marketing to these customers. And I'm really excited that I get to work with a myriad of of different big brands um, across different sectors. It's really exciting. I mean, it seems like Capita's kind of undertaking a really big change program. What, what sort of sparked that need for transformation? I think a lot of people only only knew Capita for the projects and for the customers that they work with in public sector. And actually, that's not true. They do some amazing work with, you know, big private sector clients as well. And so I think it's about resetting, you know, how Capita as a company is helping customers and making a difference. Um, and it goes back to that purpose-led piece, which is, you know, it really is there to, to be a partner to customers. How did you end up in that role? What's your sort of path to getting into a role like that? Yeah, so so I initially started off actually working um, in PR um, across film, and I moved from that role into um, recruitment, where actually I worked for about 10 years, and then from there actually moved um, to Starbucks, where I worked for the Global Public Affairs VP. And my job there was to support head of comms and head of advocacy. So got to work on some really exciting consumer campaigns across media um, and also from a kind of CSR perspective and, and partners such as Fairtrade Foundation. And then from there, um, worked at Thomson Reuters for around seven years 
um, in various roles. My final role there was actually managing global campaigns, um, content and creative. And then the last couple of years prior to joining um, Capita, I actually worked for NHS. So I was brought on board there to set up a completely new marketing function and actually had responsibility for marketing, internal comms and press and public affairs, um, looking at marketing across all of the NHS estate. So my background has really been cross-industry actually, cross-sector and, and a myriad of marketing and comms roles. And I think that that actually leads me nicely then into this account-based marketing role, which is cross-industry, cross-different clients. And I, and I guess having that experience of working both private and public sector means you get that sense for the, the way that Capita kind of straddles those two worlds. Um, I mean, what, what are the big differences there? I'm fascinated. We could do a whole other podcast just on the NHS. Yeah. <laughs> what are the big differences between private and public sector? I mean, from a marketing perspective... And from an account-based marketing perspective, I don't think they're that different, actually. Um, I think that it's just about how you tailor your approach to the customer. Um, you know, in the NHS, it, the trusts, the CCGs, you know, they're focused on the long-term plan and how they deliver back into the public. Um, but they're still customers, right? They've still got challenges. They've still got pain points. And so for me, the marketing is just about how do you how do you show to the customer that you understand what their challenges are? And through the marketing that you deliver, how do you show them that your organization can provide the solution that will help them navigate that challenge? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, similarly sort of analogous rules, if you like, or, or um, principles. Yeah, and and I suppose my my work ethic is has always been quite fast paced. So actually, before I joined the NHS, a lot of people said to me, "Oh, you've only ever worked across corporates or across big brands in the private sector. How will that kind of translate into into the NHS?" I never really found that actually, um, just because I think if your work ethic is one way, I, I, I don't really think it matters what what sector you work in. Yeah, and also if you have that fascination with great customer insight because that's where it all starts right exactly yeah so so your i think your perspective on the sort of context for marketing and we'll come into your your sins in a second but i think it's really interesting to talk about the context and the the way that you see marketing at the moment because you've talked to me about these kind of five sort of dynamics these prevailing forces that are at work yep. that are affecting the way that marketing is changing so do you want to just give give us a bit of that context yeah sure so so for me i think you know the top five key themes that i think are impacting across b2b marketing right now are artificial intelligence um accountability um this word around um atomization um authenticity and adaptability and I think, you know, essentially across all of those, from an AI perspective, customers expect businesses to have AI. It's not, it, you know, it's not something that's new anymore. They just expect that as standard in the service that you offer to them in the conversations that you have have with them. From an accountability perspective, you know, GDPR, how we use customer data, again, that's a need that's that's baked into everything that we do. It's not a consideration. It's a must-have. Um, you know, customers are expecting a meaningful engagement across the channels that you do. It's not, 
you know, the conversations around is it is a campaign, one event and a couple of pieces after? Well, no, it has to be multi-channel. You have to reach people in a in this hyper personalised way um, in order to make real impact. Um, authenticity, I think, you know, customers want to be confident that they're doing business with companies that reflect their own values and demonstrate their own, you know, ethical behaviours as, as an organisation. Um, and I think that that's something, again, working at Capita, I'm really proud to be part of Capita and be proud to be part of this ambition to simplify and strengthen the business. And actually, the authenticity piece and the responsible business element of, of what Capita does, um, I, I think that we have an opportunity to tell our customers what we do in that space. Um, and then adaptability. You know, we we have to listen to our customers, but we also have to anticipate change and adapt how we how we deal with that um, it quickly, right? Otherwise, otherwise, um, we're not set up for success. Yeah, I think I think that um, that particularly those two, authenticity and adaptability, are they're sort of themes that I'm I'm hearing again and again and again at the moment, and it feels like actually we are in now a very complex and uncertain world, which just requires. A level of adaptability built into our organisations. I've seen research that says by 2025, I think it is, 75% of the world's working population will be millennials. So, you know, given that there's these stats that say 80, 90% of buyers are going to buy products or services on the basis of a company's policy concerning a social matter, you know, we need to be thinking on on how we're designing our customer experiences for the future. And one of the things that I'm actually working up at the moment is around Generation Alpha, actually. So, you know, I have a nine-year-old and she is actually going to be the customer of the future in a, in a very short period of time. Uh, that's quite scary on a personal front, but actually, you know, how does she want to be engaged with as a customer? And I think there's a lot of preconceived ideas out there that it's technology, technology, technology. And I've recently done this interview with her and her friends to say, you know, do you even understand what customer experience is? Which they don't. For them, it's in a shop or it's um, one-to-one interaction to fix a problem. But actually, they don't want to engage in a customer experience conversation via technology. And I found that quite fascinating. And I think it's because they're saturated with it. So, you know, for them, a human connection was, was really, really key. So I think we need to be authentic in what we do Otherwise, we're not relevant anymore for the future. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? It's fascinating to get those. I've got an eight-year-old daughter who um, I don't even tell her that I work in advertising because she just <laughs> says that adverts are what you know, they just make you buy things you don't want to buy. So that's that's her perspective. Yeah, I think, I think it's very astute. She switched on already. <laughs> Look, so so let's get into the your your sins, and I think it, we, yeah. we're starting in a good place actually because we've got your first one is gluttony, it uh, is. and we've talked a bit about gluttony being kind of. And that's sort of the hard sell, right? The the over the, the greed and the going after sort of those sales numbers the whole time without thinking about your authenticity and and so so t- tell me a bit about your yeah, perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely, right. So too much selling, not enough authenticity. I think that you know marketing has a track record, right, of having major buzzwords. And I think content marketing over the last few years has been one of those that says, you know, it's here to lower cost per acquisition, increase awareness, help position companies as thought leaders. But that only works if it's done correctly. One of the biggest mistakes that I still see is what I would call um, low value content. So 
I think a lot of organisations still struggle with matching the right content to the right stage of the buyer's journey um, and creating content that isn't pitchy or sales focused. Um, And I think that that can be off-putting for people that aren't actually at that buying stage of the journey. Um, And I think that that's probably why account-based marketing and ABM is so popular right now. And actually, you know, for me, account-based marketing really is good old-fashioned relationship building marketing that's born out of true customer insight but abm is the buzzword out there because people are struggling with this concept of too much selling and not personalizing what they're doing why are so many brands now seeing themselves almost as just their job is just to pump as much content out into the world as as possible um i think it's because they're probably hoping it will stick for me, I think that the exciting, the piece that I love about account-based marketing is it's the relationship building. And actually, it's a long-term play, right? So it's a marriage. It's not a Tinder. It's not let's just stick everything out there and hope for the best. Um, and I, I think that that's why why everyone does want to do the ABM stuff. I remember when we was at Thomson Reuters and one of the um, ABM pilots that we did in the early days was to one of the biggest banks out there. Um, really well-known brand. Um, We had a multi-million renewal in the pipeline for 12 months down the track. And the sales team were, at the time, weren't interested in putting a marketing surround campaign around it. Um, They kind of just said, you know, three months before, we'll talk to them, we'll engage with them. It took some persuasion, but it was a conversation that said to them, actually, we need to be engaged with the account at, at a different level and not just have a conversation that talks to them around the renewal. So, you know, what does the CEO actually care about? And in that instance, they really cared about diversity and inclusion. And for the CEO, it was massively important for them. So we actually co-created a series of, of content pieces of various initiatives with the bank's marketing team themselves around six months before the renewal was was up and it drove conversations in a different way it really showcased how we were a true partner not just someone that wanted to sell deliver deliver the work and move on Um, and I, I think that had a real impact in us actually winning that renewal deal that's really interesting and it actually makes me wonder do you think that um, looking at the power of brand through an account-based marketing lens is actually quite an interesting thing to do here. So if, if you almost change the idea we have a brand about being kind of mass awareness and uh, you know our visual identity and so on, actually think about brand as the strength of the relationship that an individual customer has with your business. That that's actually quite an interesting way to look at brand in this context. I think so. And it, it goes back to that point, doesn't it, around, you know, this 90% of people that want that want to work with people or buy products or buy services with companies that that really understand them and actually have this shared value of what their of what their identity as a as an organization is. Yeah, absolutely. And and you also touched there on the um, alignment with sales. Yeah. This is obviously one of the biggest topics in account-based marketing and, and how you get that right. So yep. what have you been doing at Capita since you've come in to kind of help to get marketing and sales working together? Yeah. So... So it's all really different. It's different personalities across the uh, the different accounts, across the different sectors. So I, I've tried to be adaptable um, and agile. And I would say that um, I've been truly impressed, actually, with the commitment 
by capita sales teams and the willingness to really um, want to do account-based marketing at their customers. I've worked in some organisations before where the concept of account-based marketing, some people are worried about it. Um, salespeople are probably, you know, sometimes a bit concerned to open up their account to marketeers. And I think that it's about building that element of trust um, that actually showcases, or as a marketeer, you can bring to the table something that's different, something that's creative, that ultimately is um, is there to support the customer and and work together collaboratively to deliver that. Do you think marketers in general do a good enough job of really getting to know the sales team's pain points, the key account plans, you know, all that kind of side of things? I mean, I'd like to say that I do, (laughs) obviously. Obviously. That's Um, why you're here, okay. (laughs) Look, I, I actually think some of the best ABM people out there have a comms background and have a PR background. And the reason that I think that is because they understand the psyche of of how a human is connected, how, you know, what are the emotional drivers that make someone do what they do. And I think as a comms professional, you have to really get into into the skin of things to understand it. And so I don't think marketers... um, probably do enough they probably think right let's deliver that and let's move on um tick the box let and not really think of the overall story well that that leads us wonderfully into our next deadly sin okay which is sloth it does um and and we've talked about sloth being this exactly as you described that kind of set it and forget it let's move on not really thinking strategically about the kind of uh, work that the that people are doing. So, exp- expand on that for me, please. Yeah. So, so for me, if if we think about content creation, marketing automation, event formats, you know, do you challenge yourself that uh, are these on autopilot? So, how often are you changing the landing pages on your website, or how are you testing new landing pages? You know, lots of us think about marketing in terms of individual pieces sometimes. And I think that there's a tendency to overlook the day-to-day optimization of how of how you improve your marketing streams of activity. So, you know, if you're if you're using marketing automation, how many people are guilty of literally setting up a lead nurture campaign, um, letting it run? And forgetting about it, you know, where's the A/B testing? Um, how are you? How are you thinking about taking what you're learning on on what's working and what's not, and adapting your campaigns um, as a result of that? You know, if you're looking at events, how are you making sure that you're telling your story to your customer pre-event, during the event, post-event? If you've launched a piece of thought leadership, how how are you um, refreshing that? How are you actually going back to that? I don't see a lot of companies that launch a white paper that then go back six, nine months later and reference the white paper. They just do another one. So I I think that the hard bit here is if you work for an organisation that expects you to get results right the first time, that's where it's difficult, right? Because you're in a culture where actually, you know, you you're not, um, you don't want to take that risk of going, well, actually, let's change it. 
it hasn't been working let's change it and do something completely new so that's why actually I've been really impressed at Capita because the account managers and sales teams there you know know that building strategic account marketing isn't something that's done overnight and welcome the fact that we might have to you know reassess the accounts that are in the program are they working and are they the right accounts that should be in there tell us a bit about how capita are creating that culture because i think that's that's at the core of where a lot of organizations really get challenged which is how do you move from you know a rigid sense of what success looks like to something that's more experimental and optimized how are capita doing that so i can only talk obviously i've only been there a couple of months but i think it's doing that in the way that it's bringing people into the organization that are industry experienced so they really do understand it goes back to this point of of really understanding the customer and getting underneath what it is uh, what it is that they're worried about what keeps them up at night so i think that capita is as part of the transformation is bringing in people that are hugely experienced and really understand their sectors I think that they are people that are truly there to be part of the journey. And I know that that sounds really cliche and a bit kumbaya and one team, one dream. But I think everyone's joining because they, they're buying in to this vision of Capita is different. It's a different organisation, you know, it, and it's there to really be purpose led. Like, I think it's really interesting as well to think about what, what you do about, um, I, I suppose, failure in inverted commas. How, how do you handle things that don't work or yep. don't work the way you thought they were going to in that kind of an environment? Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think it goes into a wider piece around, you know, progress in life doesn't happen in one stage, does it? It's a series of mini experiments that you that you do through your journey of living that define who you are as a person and everything that we do every single day doesn't result in success it's a build-up of things together Um, and I think that that's what's exciting about the strategic accounts piece because it's about saying right well we think that this is the customer challenge so let's actually design a marketing campaign around this and you could have five people that say I actually don't think that's going to work because I've worked in banking for 15 years and actually someone did it two years ago and I think it's about collectively around that table taking that feedback constructively and saying okay well then let's change what that idea is and work together to come up with something that's better. We have a bit of a mantra at Omobono when we're talking about these kind of things because we're, we're, we're also in the business of testing and learning and trying to get better every day and uh, we talk about is it safe to try okay so at the end of the day is this going to be catastrophic? You know, are there catastrophic consequences to this? Or could we give this a go and see what happens? Which invariably, actually, most things are safe to try, it yep. turns out. <laughs> and one of the other things, actually, um, I'm a strong believer in sharing peer-to-peer and best practice. So one of the things that um, I set up at the NHS um, role, actually, was as part of the objectives in the team, you know, they had, and, and they were, they were bonused on this, right? So they had to do it. But one of the things for them was around getting four different contacts um, every month in their peer-to-peer network 
that was either within the health sector or actually in a completely different sector. And the idea was to come back into the team to share what campaigns or marketing they were working on and actually implementing one of those ideas across a quarter. Um, And the team loved it. It was actually a really fun way of sharing what other people were doing and uh, and kind of challenging yourself to do something that you hadn't done before. That's really lovely. And it really sort of breathes that sense of curiosity and, and learning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay, let's move on to our final sin. Uh, we've got pride. And I really love this one, actually, that you've picked, because I think this is this is so spot on, which is having that sort of introspective lens on the content you create, on the marketing that you do, maybe being a little bit too proud of yourselves as a business and not curious enough about your customers. Yeah. So, it's good. so expand on that. Talk, talk to me about why you've why you've picked that one. So I feel really passionate about this one. Actually, I I think that you know we all talk about customer insight. I mean, how many times during this podcast have we mentioned that and the view of the customer and the customer's challenges, all of this good stuff. But you ha- but it has to be right. And so you know, I've worked on projects before where. At Thomson Reuters, actually, we were working with customers um, around Solvency 2, so a huge regulation that was impacting um, insurers and asset managers. And we pulled together a marketing campaign that, you know, granted, we had internal SMEs that were hugely experienced and fed into it. But it was it was being delivered with internal eyes. It was being delivered with the view of essentially selling, right? You know, our services to help customers with the Solvency 2 challenge. And we got to the final the final kind of pieces of collateral, the final um, build in marketing automation. And actually, we didn't go live with it. And we didn't go live with it because we decided to go and soft test it with customers. So we went to events where we actually said, look, this is what we're thinking of doing as a marketing campaign. Would it work? Does it resonate with you? Is it asking you the right questions? Would you actually care? And I think that, you know, in this world of trying to do different marketing, a lot of people do diagnostic tools, right? It's the new big thing. But what value is that actually giving to the customer? Unless it's, you know, real insight that they care about within their industries, or it's really telling them something that they don't already know, why do it? Why spend all this money pulling together marketing that just doesn't work? And I think curating content with customers and having them be part of that discussion and be part of your marketing is crucial. I think co-creating your campaigns with key partners and credible people that are out there in industry influencing your customers is absolutely key to making, you know, award-winning marketing campaigns um, because otherwise it's it is you know it's this deadly sin of you're not making your content truly valuable for your end customer the, the interesting thing there I, I I'm always surprised by how reluctant marketers are to test things to just test something like you did there in that example um, and and I'm sort of curious to know what what you think the reason for that is. Why why is there this reluctance to actually get things out early and and test them? I think it's probably human nature that you're worried that people won't like your work, right? So you know, I it's, it's funny because in conversations with um, 
some salespeople recently. You know, one of the comments that that someone said to me was that from a sales perspective, they sometimes think that marketers have a bit of an ego. Um, And I probably would agree with that, right? Like that's probably why we're marketers, because we want to do shiny, fun, creative. um, You know, we want to come up with something that actually says, oh, wouldn't it be great if we did this? And it's hard when someone then turns around and says, actually, I I don't really think that idea is going to work. Or, you know, all of that time and effort that you've put into thinking that this is the next big thing from a marketing perspective, for someone to tell you that 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 might not be true, I think that's quite hard for someone on a personal level. Yeah, it's true. You know, it is. And as someone who creates this sort of thing for a living, I can tell you it's horrible. <laughs> frequently here, I don't think that's going to work. And this is why. Um, but I, I, God, I'd much rather, I'd much rather hear that before I'd spent, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands promoting it. Right. Absolutely. And actually, you know, you want to be proud of work, don't you? You want, you want to have that fire in your belly and the light in your eye that glints up when you deliver a piece of work that you go, do you know what? this is this is great and it's great on so many different levels because one I know the customer actually cares about it two it's different to what other people are doing right now in in quite frankly a saturated market right where we're all competing to do marketing campaigns that you know stand out um so yeah I mean absolutely if it if it isn't born out of that intention to test to take customer insight to the next level and to co-create um it won't work and and what would be your advice for marketers that do want to have a better kind of external view that want to be a little less proud and introspective my tip would be you know don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to you know reach out to people on linkedin and and others through networking events or through through your own colleagues internally and say, look, you know, I could do with some help here. And actually, I'd quite like to know how are you doing it? You know, what are you doing that's different? And actually, do you know, there's some really interesting research that I've seen recently on the power of expert, expert pundit panels and how often they're better predictors of success than just asking a general audience. Yeah. So actually, there's something in that about pick, you know, find your expert panel. And, and maybe test your ideas with them if the idea of like testing with strangers <laughs> terrifies yep. you. Yep. So, so uh, finally to finish off then, speaking of pride, what are you really proud of maybe in the, in the first few weeks you've been at Capita or more broadly in your career? What, what really stands out as something you're proud of? So I'm probably really proud of the fact that I've worked with some really good teams. I've worked with some great people that are external agencies and it's been it's been true marketing born out of partnerships right and so I'm proud of being someone that believes in relationship building across sales across marketing across different networks and I um, I just want to keep doing that I want to keep working across big brands I want to keep working across industry and I want to keep building my own knowledge actually within industries that I haven't necessarily worked in Um, And that's why I'm loving being at Capita. I'm loving the fact that I can set up a new team um, and have that new team ethic in a different organisation. And I'm loving the fact that I'll get to work across industry in some sectors that I haven't before um, and expand my knowledge and take marketing to them in a different way. 
Well, it sounds like it's going to be a fascinating journey. We will be <laughs> along along with you with interest to see what happens. So, uh, but thank you, Kate, for coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, thanks so much. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of The Seven Deadly Sins of B2B Marketing from Omobono, then please subscribe to the podcast, share with your colleagues, or even leave us a review. We welcome feedback. Please contact us at sins at omobono.com.